on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio 97.7 100.1 ESPN Radio Utica Rose What's up Mohawk Valley Too bad about those comments last night In overtime 7 round overtime in the Planet Fitness Galaxy Cup Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app Fantastic to have you there if you are listening live or you can listen on your time. You can subscribe on our podcast. Just hit uh, iTunes or Google Play and subscribe to ESPN Syracuse and you're all set. You get this show to listen on your time in the booth with Matt Park, the Daniel Baldwin Show, Orange Nation with the illustrious Stephen Fonte and... No, it'll come to me. It's... Chris McManus? Is it Chris? No. no, it's, no. Uh, it's Steve. Steve Nykum. Is it? No, no it's not. No, no. no, it is with Seth Goldberg, the man who, okay, we should do a bet or something about this today. Because coming up in 15 minutes, we are going to play back a interview that I did. I should, like, write this down in big, bold letters. Seth Greenberg. Okay, Seth Greenberg is, of course, the former Virginia Tech coach, now ESPN college basketball analyst. I caught up with Seth today. We're going to play that. But in the course of promoting that here and circling back and telling you about it later, I think I need to be fined like a dollar or something. I need some sort of motivation because at some point I did it in the office before the show. Inevitably, I will call Seth Greenberg, Seth Goldberg. Like that's going to happen. So hopefully the financial motivation. I will find myself a dollar each time I mistake that. And like I'll buy the intern something out of the vending machine or something. I don't know. So keep me straight on that. So Seth Greenberg, ESPN college basketball analyst today. Andy Katz, next hour, formerly of ESPN, now with the NCAA. I want to catch up with Andy, not only in the world of college basketball and his thoughts on quadrants and Syracuse's place and all that stuff that we want to discuss. Like, what what's his gig now? What's it like working for the man? He goes from ESPN to NCAA.com. He does a great kind of ranking every week. He's still on the beat. He's still covering college basketball, but, you know, kind of under a different umbrella. I'm curious about that, too. So we'll catch up with Andy Katz and, of course, our weekly chat 
with Jim Beheim. The head coach joins us every Thursday, courtesy of Skinny Atlas Jewelry. So we got a big old college basketball meat sandwich today. Just get ready to chew on that. Hot takes as usual. Your phone call is certainly welcome at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Syracuse, of course, loses last night. How you view this loss is going to be intriguing to me. This is why I have said, and it's not like we're not approaching this territory, like Saturday would probably qualify, but that's why I've been telling you guys to be careful about how often you drop a must-win because it becomes the boy who cried wolf. You know, Seth and I were actually talking about this. That'd be Seth Goldberg, not Greenberg. But you're going to hear Seth Greenberg, the college basketball analyst, discuss officials and officiating in college hoops a little later on. I thought he had a great take on that. But Seth and I brought this up about officiating. If you're somebody who complains about the officials all the time, every call, every little thing that you perceive to go against Syracuse, when it actually happens, your message does not get through, right? So if you're one of these fans or on Twitter or whatever the case may be who's just riding officials, when there really is, you know, either over-officiating, which was last night, Last night was actually more over-officiated than it was badly officiated, right? And Syracuse was the benefactor of this, as we'll discuss, because free throws matter. Syracuse got to the free throw line 29 times, 27 times, pardon me, in that game last night. They had 10 more calls than NC State. So last night was over-officiated, which, by the way, I'd like to thank our officiating crew last night for blowing their whistle every 30 seconds for a game that tipped off at 9.07 because that's just what we needed. There was a clock stoppage at the beginning of the game. I'm like, you're just messing with me now. You're just messing with me. Clock stops. Go get another cup of coffee. Refs are blowing the whistles over and over again. Go get another cup of coffee. By then, I got so much caffeine flowing through me, I couldn't even sleep. Counterproductive. So thanks for blowing all those whistles. You'd think it's a 9 o'clock game. They'd like to get the heck out of there, get to the hotel before they shut down the free buffet. I don't know. Anyway, I'm just being a bitter grandpa about that. So last night was an over-officiated game. It becomes the boy who cried wolf if every game's a must-win. If you're calling this radio station or whatever format you're in, I'm not saying you're wrong, but it's like, okay, well, if last night was a must-win, then what's Saturday? It's more important, and I said that going into last night's game, no matter what happened, if Syracuse lost, okay, that stinks because now you're clearly behind in the race. You're still in the discussion for the tournament. You still control your own destiny. It's not going to be easy with the limited depth that this team has, and Pascal Chukwu has now been added to that list and everything we know about this team, but that's not exactly breaking news. Last night, it was not the game that is going to tilt Syracuse either in or out. It's part of the process, but it's not like they're out of chances here. No one knows and no one thinks that's going to be easy, but that was the case before last night's game. So that's why I've just tried to stress, be careful with these labels. Be careful when you say every night the refs are out to get us and things that just when they're actually happening, all of a sudden... You don't recognize them. You know, Dennis Miller had a great theory about this with, you know, a certain word that I can't say on the radio, right? But if you say 
certain swear words over and over again and it just becomes part of your verbiage, it loses its shock value. Like there's certain people in my life, like when they drop a swear word, I look, whoa, you know something's up, right? It was like when I was a kid. If I heard my middle name, I knew that was trouble. If I heard my mother reaching into the drawer where I knew the wooden spoon was and my middle name was being mentioned, uh uh-oh. Okay, but if my mother called me by my middle name every day, it'd just be normal. So that's why I've been trying to tell you guys, just be careful with the labels. We all know what's at stake here. We all know where Syracuse is. We all know it's not going to be easy to get to the tournament. We all know and pay attention to this stuff, and we're still kind of figuring out what these quadrants are, but... Here's what we know. They've got five opportunities here. And I think they are that, opportunities. Is there a magic number to go across? There really isn't, right? Well, if they get to 20, they're in. If they get to nine ACC wins, there really isn't a magic number. It's just you've got Miami on Saturday. You've got Carolina next week at the Dome. You've got Duke at Cameron, a Boston College game where you can't slip on a banana peel, and Clemson at the Dome. Those are tough teams, tough games, and nothing's easy. But it hasn't been easy for this team all year. I think they kind of like it that way. Last night, we all know what broke down, as Jim Beheim mentioned at the press conference last night. We'll certainly talk about with Coach Beheim later in this year. The first half, I thought we did a much better job covering the three-point line. Uh, second half, we did not. That, I thought that was really that was really the difference in the game. Similar to the last game, uh, we covered the three-point line pretty good in the first half, and we didn't in the second half. We were able to overcome it last game. There is a trend there, and that trend is not new, but particularly in the last two games, it has been interesting to see random guy either come off the bench or come out of the shadows to sink your battleship. Sam Hunt. Now, last night on this program, as you know, we had Lauren Brownlow on, our friend from 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh. And I asked her that question. Now, she did not give, and that question being, okay, who are we not talking about here? Who's this random person that could slink off the bench and sink Syracuse's battleship? Because in the Wake Forest game, it was Mitchell Wilbekin, who can shoot the three. It's not really a trade secret, but he had been kind of off the radar, was injured, comes back healthy, and boom, four of five in the second half from three-point range for him. So Sam Hunt was not Lauren Brownlow's answer, but on Twitter last night, of course, you know, this starts happening, and we start corresponding on Twitter, and she's like, oh, he qualifies. He he wasn't my answer, but he qualifies. So a guy that wasn't necessarily on your radar goes 4 of 6. The game before that, Mitchell will begin 4 of 5. So this is becoming a trend here, that someone can kind of slink off the bench that Syracuse is leaving open, and by the time you figure it out and try and catch up to them, well, last night that was the biggest problem in the game. They couldn't shut down threes. In the last two games, this is interesting, because, again, it's only two games, but it's starting to become a trend. In the last two games, second-half three-point shooting, Wake Forest 9 of 13, NC State 7 of 13. Those are just second-half numbers. That is a combo of 16 for 26. That's 62%. Okay, that's a red flag. That's a trend. That's something that, you know, certainly you're going to be very cognizant of in the Miami game. But 
when you shift focus on one thing, it tends to take focus off the other. So what is it about Miami? And we'll certainly discuss them more as we get closer to that game, certainly tomorrow, a little bit more in depth. But what is it about Miami that Syracuse, what's the rock you're not looking under right now? What's the pregame prep? What is the scouting that you're leaving off here? It's not a team you've played already. It's a very important game, quadrant-wise and just everything-wise. Syracuse has got to get back on the right side of their ACC record. 20 wins is not a magic number, but it's a nice number to be passed in this discussion. This would be a great bounce-back win. So what is the rock you're not looking under? In your pregame prep, go through it, do it, and then take a step back and say, okay, do it again. Because the last two games, someone has kind of slinked through and burned you. 62% from the three-point line in the second half. Both teams went 10 of 23. Now, the irony is that Syracuse is starting to score. It's been taco time three games in a row. Okay, the, the people at taco time that actually give out the tacos have been sitting there twiddling their thumbs this year because Syracuse has been scoring in the 50s and 60s and Boy, remember when they lowered it to 70 a couple years ago? And people were like, oh, shh, man, you're just, oh, come on, too easy. Now you get to 70, it's like, whoa. Somebody called Seth's postgame show last night with Roosevelt Bowie. He's like, I get tacos, right? Because it it's not over 70, it's 70. I think that, you know, they give you the tie on that. They should, given how much this team has not gotten across that threshold this year. But three games in a row, the offense has been better. O'Shea Brissett is a breakout offensive game last night. Looked as confident and as the best word was used by Tyus Battle in postgame, how versatile he was. So you have a team that's kind of found itself offensively, is moving the ball, but it has not done in the last two games what they had kind of become accustomed to defend. Took it a little bit for granted. NC State, Wake Forest found a way to hit some second half threes. So that's a trend you got to shut down. Make sure you, you've looked under every rock you can because there's somebody lurking on that Miami bench that's going to come in and burn you if you don't do anything about it. We have got plenty of guests to break this down today. You can be my guest when we don't have them. But when we return, Seth Greenberg. That is correct. Boom. Fine count currently at zero. ESPN college basketball analyst will join us. Later in the show, Andy Katz, Jim Beheim. We've got a lot to do here. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Anybody alive out there? Welcome back. Sure is, Bruce. So the Orange are still alive. They're in this thing. You know, if you want to, you know, jump up and down and chicken little it, and they lost to NC State, season's over. I mean, the typical trolls come out on Twitter and on my live chat last night. By the way, props to those of you that stayed up for the Facebook Live and our post game show. We really appreciate that. You guys are diehards and. Probably all fired up anyway at 11.45 at night, so you might as well come vent with us, so we appreciate that. But 
look, they're behind. There's no question about it. They were on the outside looking in, depending on, you know, who you put your bracketology faith in going in, they're clearly out now and have to work their way back in. But they're not like, you know, it seemed from Die Hard when he dropped Hans off the building, right? Like Hans is still in the building talking with John McClain at this point. You've got Miami Saturday. What did Andy Katz tell us top of the hour and what has become more important in the quadrant world? Not that winning on the road was ever a bad thing, but you pick up quality wins on the road, it really helps. That would be certainly something that qualifies there. It would help quadrant-wise. Miami just fell out of the top 25. Now, there's a team that they're trying to shore some things up themselves, so they're not just going to roll over for Syracuse. But I mentioned the, the shooting stat with Miami. There's certainly a chance there. Carolina next week, I mean, there's always that big game on the slate that just turns into a blockbuster, down-to-the-end game against a ranked team. And we haven't really had that yet. I mean, Louisville was a nice win for Syracuse, for sure. But I'm kind of wondering, and with the way this team is coming together offensively in the past few games, now last year, the Duke win at the Dome was different because that was an offensive-minded team. They were ready for that game, and the John Gillen shot. And I mean, it's tough to top how memorable that game was, but we're still kind of waiting for that kind of game. And you have Carolina and Duke in back-to-back games. Now, Duke's at Cameron. That's going to be a little bit more of a mountain to climb there for sure. But that Carolina game, Miami is important, and it's big, and Syracuse – We'll have plenty of opportunities down the stretch here. But there's still two or three, like, really big games left that feel big, ranked team big, top-seeded, you know, somewhere in the top five seeds right now in the tournament big. So at least we have clarity here. The, you know, it's it's a little better for, like, I don't know, sports talk radio discussion when things are murky and we don't know and where are they going to go and we can point at the committee and say, oh, how dare you for screwing us over. Well, that's not really going to be the case this year. It's pretty clear what Syracuse has to do. And the opportunity is right there in front of them. So that's the beauty of this thing. And it starts with Miami on Saturday. So if they are starting to go down a path here on the offensive end, man, O'Shea Brissett last night. Props to him because I think he's been close to doing that, but he just has not been making the shots. He's getting the shots. He's getting open. But the conversation we've had about O'Shea all year long is, boy, you can see how close he's getting. And, you know, when you hear coaches, Jim Beheim and otherwise, say we're getting better, he's getting better, you see the progression, but you don't always get the results. Last night, those two things came together. And if he can be that player, there's been, you know, you see guys at some point – Turn the page from freshman to sophomore. You're not a freshman anymore. And typically that comes when you're a little closer to postseason. But are we starting to see that with O'Shea? Like, okay, you're not a freshman anymore. You have played some of the, literally the most minutes in the country. He is in the top three in the ACC and in the top five in the country in minutes played. You play that much basketball, get that much experience, see a little bit of this, a little bit of that, again, with some big teams still to come. But he is really dare I say, starting to peak and come into his own and is a, more of a confident player at the exact right time. Here's a Jim Beheim a little bit 
on, yeah, he got into foul trouble and had a little bit of a stumbling block there, but overall, pretty good game. You know, he, he got in early foul trouble and was, he was very passive for a long time, but he got picked it up in the second half. You know, he's a good shooter, and, uh, you know, he made two monster plays. We made good plays to get him the ball, and, uh, you know, he made a couple big threes to get us back in there, but we didn't defend the last three-point play. And, you know, that, that's really the story of the game. Second half, we didn't defend the three-point line. Two games in a row. 70-62, O'Shea two threes. Tyus Battle with a tough play. Tied at 70. Now O'Shea missed a shot with about 14 seconds to go. Can't make them all, but that's one of those games where he carried the weight. And it was interesting. I was doing my live chat last night, and you know, you kind of automatically say this team's got to get the ball in Tyus Battle's hands. And I had a lot of people doing the chat saying, not tonight. Get the ball in O'Shea's hands. He's the guy that kind of had that look. And I said, you know what? You guys are right. Now, free throws are interesting. Now, you know how I feel about this, speaking of beating something to death, right? But free throws do matter in a close game like that. Syracuse is in a team, Syracuse is a team, pardon me, that is in every game they play. If you're going to get to the, look at the uptick in the amount of times they have gotten to the free throw line in recent games. You get to the free throw line 27 times. You can't go 19 of 27. 70% will not cut it. And I don't want to pick on him too much because I think he's doing some great things in other areas of the court. He's scoring. He had six assists last night. I think Frank Howard is, you know, really coming to his own and it is plowing through a lot of things. He takes a lot of heat from people for certain things. He's been great defensively for the most part the last couple of games, picking up some steals. And the Bayheim brought up the lack of getting out on three point shooters. So that's got to improve, of course. But. When your primary ball handler, and I know Tyus gets the ball in certain sets, and O'Shea had the ball a little bit more last night, but Frank is 7 of 16 from the free throw line the last two games. You can't have your point guard, your primary ball handler, and a guy that's going to get fouled go 7 of 16 from the free throw line the past couple of day, uh, past couple games. Points off turnovers, one of the things, one of the real shames in losing a game like that, that is an extraordinary number. So Syracuse and, and NC State, were pretty even until the last few minutes when NC State picked up a few more turnovers. So NC State had 19 turnovers. Syracuse collected 32 points off turnovers. That is a big number. Especially when you compare the fact that Syracuse turned the ball over a lot, which isn't good, and was uncharacteristic of that team the three games prior to that. Syracuse had not committed, I think, more than nine turnovers in a game, and Jim Beheim noted the first half turnovers here. I think the game was started out with ten turnovers in the first half. We can't do that. That's not what we've done. That's why we've won the games. Uh, we were a little, we were better in the second half, but the first half I thought that just put us in a bad position. Points off turnovers, though, and Syracuse only had five in the second half, so they kind of you know improved that. Just 14 points off turnovers for NC State. And I know sometimes stats are hollow and you can point at them all day, but another stat that you hope that doesn't become a trend, the most telling barometer of Syracuse basketball this year has been rebounding. If they out-rebound a team, chances are they've won. If they don't, you know they lose. Syracuse has not defeated anybody when they've been out-rebounded this year. Last night they did out-rebound NC State and still lost. So... That, that that trend was going to swing the other way eventually, but that one against the norm. But 
what this all circles back to, I mean, I'm just throwing things that were interesting and stood out and are noteworthy about last night, but it did come down to getting out on those three-point shooters and making adjustments and how both NC State and Wake found a hidden gem off the bench to come in and hit some threes. We just went with, had to go with a smaller lineup. There was not much we could do, but we tried to pretty much do the same thing the whole game drive. We got them in the bonus right away in the first half and the second half. We, did, we accomplished what we wanted to do. Um, we scored enough. We just did not stop them. You know, our defense just wasn't good enough tonight. It is pretty incredible. It's almost like you feel like the old story of the the boy that's putting his fingers in the dam, and there's only so many leaks you can cover here. Syracuse now has Pascal Chukwu to add to the injury list to Matthew Moyer, who looked great last night. It looks like somebody had a real fire under their butt after a little, you know, did your dad tell you to sit down type of thing that we discussed last week. Or uh, uh, coming out of the last game, I should say. Now Pascal's got a back tweak, and that's never a good thing. And he's, he told Mike Waters last night he heard something pop in his back. and Oh, boy. We know Barama's situation and how touch-and-go that is. The players that have already been lost, not only by injury, but by, you know, departure. This is such a unique combination of you've had two players depart this team. And this is ancient history at this point, but it's, it's worth noting. Torian Thompson... At the beginning of the semester, Geno Thorpe during the year. Then Howard Washington goes down with a season-ending injury. And the guys, and they'd have to do this anyway, but so you've got Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett, Frank Howard, top three in the ACC, top five in the country in minutes. So they're pushing a limit there. Merrick Doljai even kind of looked like he tweaked his ankle a little bit last night. Played through it. It seemed okay, but you know, a little bump and bruise of a long season there. He gets 36 minutes in. Moyer's playing through his ankle. Both your big men, as Beheim mentioned there in that clip, they had to go small because the big men couldn't give it a go. Pascal played 20 minutes, but only seven in the second half. And as he said after the game, and you could see, he just couldn't move. Back injuries are tricky with big guys, so now you got to keep an eye on that. These are the th- This is the thing, too. These are not the only definitive injury in the bunch has been Howard Washington. He got hurt at practice. It's a clear long-term injury. He's done. But Barama, Matthew, and Pascal are now all in situation. We'll see what's up with Pascal's back. But they're all in, you just kind of have to play through it, touch and go day-to-day. That's the term. And I know the old joke. Well, he's day-to-day. Well, aren't we all? Waka, waka. But they tr- that, that's what it is. You got to treat and do it the best you can and go through it. But then game day comes, and you you got to make a judgment like three or four hours before the game. How you feeling now? If you go through warm up, how you gonna feel then? It's that's Brad Pike and that Syracuse training staff, they are earning their money this year. That is for sure. One final break. We'll set it up next. Don't forget you can hear more from Coach Bayheim tonight at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub at the Marriott Downtown Syracuse and over on Brostat TK ninety nine on the Jim Bayheim show. Thank you. Bye bye.